right? He doesn't come to condemn, he comes to save. And I believe it's to take us deeper into what it looks like to love, deeper into what it looks like to encourage one another with the love of God. So this is toward the end, again, not the very end, but toward the end of his letter to the Thessalonians. And remember, we've said this week after week after week, uh, they were in Acts, uh, or they, um, in Acts 17, you see this account of Paul and Silas and their companions going to uh, the Thessalonians. They give them this uh, good word. They receive this good word, this message of Christ. Now, Paul had to flee. Remember that? His, he and his companions, they had to get out of town. But then later he sends Timothy. We covered that a couple of weeks ago. Sends Timothy. Here's this good report that they're still uh, following the Lord. But now he has this letter that he's written, and, and we've called it First. Thessalonians. But this letter it really is to encourage these new believers and how they're living to keep going, to stay strong in the faith, because as we talked about last week, Jesus is coming back. Anyone here last week? That was pretty good news, wasn't it? That Jesus is coming back, so keep the faith. But as we've talked about, those believers in Thessalonica, they have not had an easy time. Becoming Christians did not cause their town to throw a parade for them. Becoming Christians, they did not get the key to the city. Instead, Paul says, he writes, that they received the word in much affliction, that the religious leaders of the town turn on them, they persecute them. But then Paul encourages them, if you remember in chapter 1, in their work of faith, their labor of love, and their steadfastness of hope. He reminds them that their lives matter. He reminds them that how you live your life matters. He gives them encouragement. He tells them to abstain from sexual sin. He calls them to live a life in holiness. He reminds them to love one another. But he says, love one another even more than you're currently doing. He also encourages them to live quietly, right? To live quiet lives where you would work with your hands. Remember that. Work with your hands. But then last week, and we talked about this, Paul encourages them to expect the return of the soon coming king, to be ready for the return of Jesus. And now all of that leads us into this passage. And if you have your Bibles, open them up. I encourage you to bring your Bibles or smartphone, tablet, whatever you got. But open it up to 1 Thessalonians. And we're in chapter 5, verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need... They have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the knife. <laughs> I said thief in the knife. That's funny. Uh, he will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. But you are not in darkness. Everyone say that with me. But you are not in darkness, brothers, that that day would surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. Say that with me. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We're not of the night, we're not of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, they sleep at night. Those who get drunk, they get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, hallelujah, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another, build one another up, just as you are doing. Great passage of scripture. Powerful, living, breathing 
portion of Scripture. And as I walk through this passage this past week, a few very specific, I think, important questions kept coming up. The first one is this. Dan, are you a child of darkness or a child of light? Two, are you a child of the night or a child of the day? Am I a child of the darkness and night or light and day? Now, the simple answer is this. As a believer, as a new creation, one who's been spiritually born again because of Jesus Christ, guess what? I'm a light, right? You're a light. We know that. Uh, we, we have the light of Christ in us. We are children of light. We're children of the day. That is who we are in Christ. Verse 5, we just saw it. For you are all children of light, children of the day, not of the night, not of the darkness. But as a child of the light, a child of the day, don't you know, because of God's love, because of his freedom, the freedom that he gives us, the freedom that comes from his love, that you and I, we can still choose to live in the darkness. Have you noticed that in your own life? Anyone notice that? Anyone that's alive noticed that before? Right? No one is going to force you or force me to walk in the light, to walk in the in the day, daily, I have the choice to make whether I'm going to walk by my new nature, right? Walk by the Holy Spirit within me, walk in the light, or I can choose to walk in the darkness, make my decisions, make my choices, not based on the identity in Christ, who I am in Christ, but instead by the desires of my flesh. And so this week, that was all pretty challenging. I'd say extremely challenging because I just look at my own life. I see the daily opportunities that I have to either walk in the light or the darkness. And just like anybody else, we talked about this when we went through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, that just like anybody else, I can get spiritual amnesia. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Spiritual amnesia? It's when you forget who you are in Christ. When you forget about that new identity in Christ. And so when you look at a passage like this and you start reading the passage like this during the week, it just challenges me just a little bit in some of the choices, decisions that I'm making. But also, now as a, someone who's been a pastor for over 14 years, this passage is disturbing me this week because I've spent so much time with people who throughout those 14 years, just like me, have forgotten who they are in Christ. And instead of living in the light, they have chosen to walk in darkness. And all of that felt a little heavy this week. As my mind went through just years upon years and years of situations, encounters, environments, conversations, just scenes in my head where people chose the darkness over light. Now, I'm not saying that they lost their salvation. I'm not saying they aren't going to heaven. I'm not saying they aren't Christians. It's just people who have settled for less than the life that Jesus has for them. And I'm telling you, church, it is so hard in those moments as a pastor. Because you know that something needs to be said. It's appropriate. It's biblical for me as their elder, as their shepherd to say something. But yet, I also know they probably won't receive it. But I love God and I love people. I had an 18-year-old prophesy over me last Sunday. He goes, you've got to stop worrying about what people say about you. One day you're going to stand before the Lord. You're not going to be standing with a bunch of other people. It's just going to be you and the Lord. And he's going to ask you if you were faithful to do what he's called you to do. And I want to be, yeah, yeah, I was faithful. To love God, but also to love others. So sometimes that means a conversation that goes like this. Some of you in this room have heard this conversation before. And I have to say something like this. And I, I try to say it in the most 
just sometimes hopefully awkward way, but just kind of more of a just grace-filled, humble, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you are, but hey, I don't know, I'm not sure that what you're doing is probably God's best for you. Like, I don't know, I, as I'm, as I'm, again, I'm not living your life, but just as I'm kind of out here and just observing, it just feels like some of the choices you're making, they might not be lining up with God's call that he has on your life. Talk about putting gasoline on the fire. And then, at that point, it goes one of a few different ways. Some people just begin to talk about how I'm judging them, right? You know, Pastor Danny, who are you to judge? Why are you judging me? We shouldn't judge one another. I think about a great one I had a couple years ago on that one. Uh, some just walk out of the room in silence. This happened to me multiple times. Uh, 2004, I'll never forget it. I'm talking to a lady about her defensiveness. I was like, nah, I think maybe God wants to work on your defensiveness. She got defensive, got up, and left. And right, never saw her again. Literally never saw her. Didn't answer any phone calls, didn't answer any emails. That was it. There's times when I'll be talking like that, and, and you realize you've pushed a button, and the button is labeled anger. And I push that angry button, and just it's like a switch is turned on, and the person just begins to express and unload that anger. But most of the time, as much as each one of those things has happened, most of the time what happens next is this. As they begin to tell me about all the unfair things that have happened to them. So maybe it's an issue in your job, right? Maybe you're not working in, with integrity. Maybe uh, you're not being Christ-like. Maybe you're cutting corners. Maybe you're cheating on your taxes. It's just one of those areas that's kind of intense. And, and I thought, my man, is this really God's best for you? And... Right away, they'll tell me how bad their boss is, right? Or how bad their job is. Or if it's in an area of you're not keeping your vows in your marriage, well, right away, you just begin to tell me everything that's wrong with your spouse, whether it's your wife or your husband. When I was a youth pastor, um, maybe I had to talk to a kid about an issue in school, right? Um, whether maybe they weren't going to school or maybe they're uh, getting in trouble and maybe having some issues with the way they were treating their teachers or treating other kids. Right away, what would the kids tell me? Well, they'd tell me how bad their teachers are. They'd tell me how bad their classmates are. They'd just bad now how bad their school is. I've heard it all. I've heard how bad your neighbor is, how bad that politician is, how bad your former pastor is. I've heard more about pastors and how bad other pastors are than I would ever want to know. I, or I hear about how bad I am or how bad our children's ministry is or how bad our men's ministry is or our work, women's ministry, our worship ministry, whatever ministry it is, you name it. It's this is why I'm making these decisions that are not in alignment with God's best for me, that are not in the light, that are not in the day. I'm choosing to walk in unforgiveness. I'm withholding my love from others. I'm holding on to anger, being vindictive. I'm being flat out a jerk because so-and-so did such and such to me. And so even though you are a child of God, a child of light, we choose darkness over light because of something someone did to us. And we've all been there before, by the way. All of us. And it's so tempting to live that way. Every person who is hearing my voice right now, you have been tempted to live that way. I have been tempted to live that way. And let's be real about it. You are just tempted to live that way once or twice, but again and again and again. And I just want to give you an opportunity to hear this. Newsflash, you will be tempted. I will be tempted to live this way for the rest of our lives. 
And then I would say this. Do you know who else was tempted to choose darkness over light because of how others were treating them? These Thessalonians. Remember, they're new believers in Thessalonica. The reward. Now, they have heavenly rewards, of course, but their earthly rewards for putting their faith in Jesus was persecution. Right? I love walking through it. As you see, uh, the, the great reward of saying yes to Jesus is now persecution from their neighbors, persecution from their family, from their bosses, from their government. It didn't bring them friends. It didn't bring them celebrity. It didn't make them rich. It didn't make them famous. Instead, it brought them pain, hardship, suffering. And I'm sure the thought came across their minds. Well, if my community isn't going to treat me the way I want to be treated, if they're going to treat me this way, then you know what? I'm just going to give them a taste of their own medicine. I don't have to be kind to them. I don't have to love them. If It's almost as if you feel like, you know what? We've all been here again. But it's like, you know, their actions are now giving me a free pass to act however I want. I don't have to be Christ-like to them. I don't have to love them as Christ loves me. I don't have to walk in the light as he is in the light. I don't have to love my neighbor as I love myself because, don't you know, they're not being nice. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to repay evil with evil. That's my plan. That's what I'm going to do. I'm sure that thought came to mind. I know it's come to my mind a few times. But then I love the Word of God. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul comes in and reminds them of who they are. That's not you. That's not Christ in you. You're not a child of darkness or night. You're a child of God. You're a child of the light. You're a child of the day, regardless of what others have said or done. You can always choose life. You can live. You can speak. And you can act in a way that shows that you are ready for the return of Christ. Think about it, church. How are you going to be living? How are you going to be loving? How are you going to be treating others when Jesus comes back? Are you going to be ready? Are you going to be ready? Or is it going to catch you by surprise as you're choosing to live in darkness? But Paul, I just love him. He goes, no, he goes, Jesus is coming back and you are going to be ready. You are going to be ready because you are a child of light, a child of the day. You're going to be living as a child of light and day. And so then he says, and since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Let us be in our right mind. Let us have our wits about us, right? Earlier in that, he says, those who get drunk, they get drunk at night. He says, but you belong to the day, so you be sober. You be sober. Alcohol. Let's talk about alcohol. Alcohol is really popular these days. Just watch a sporting event. My dad's lost a couple days ago. That was a shame, but... Um, Tilly, why did he have to get hurt? But anyway, it's another story for another day. But March Madness or Super Bowl or any kind of sporting event, you will see commercial after commercial glorifying beer. And the advertisers aren't dumb, by the way. Advertisers, they're really good at their jobs. Some of the funniest commercials, have you noticed, some of the funniest commercials are beer commercials. Dilly dilly. I mean, it's good. Our whole family, we're just all laughing. Some of you have no clue what I just said. Others of you are like, yeah. I mean, they're funny. Alcohol, it's the go-to drug for most people, I think, when things get hard, especially when the, the, the temperature of life gets turned up. When somebody does something to you that you don't like, people turn to whatever it is, whether it's beer or liquor or wine. I mean, when life gets hard, when people are mean, we turn to alcohol to give us that relief. You've heard the song, right? 
I've got friends in low places where the whiskey drowns and the beer chases my blues away. Just really low here. I'll be okay. <laughs> Great song. Right? What does he say? The whiskey drowns, the beer chases my blues away. It chases my blues away. And because of that beer and whiskey, guess what? I'm going to be okay. Great song. Deceptive message. Deceptive message. You know, I had two long-term relationships. um, One in high school, one in college. And both of these girls, I maybe saw their real dads three or four times in the midst of those relationships. And these are relationships that lasted for years. But it was because both, both of those dads drank way too much. They weren't safe people to be around when they were drunk. You know, you've heard of the happy drunk or the angry drunk. They were dangerous people to be around. And they caused so much pain and harm to those who were closest to them. And I'm telling you, church, it was the weirdest thing to know that both of these men were going to die because of alcohol. And yet the family felt so helpless to be able to do anything about it. And I'll never forget, it was after one of the relationships was over, was already over, and I was just sitting in the living room at my parents' house, and the front door opened, and she ran up the stairs. She just looked at me, and she said, my dad is dead. And we just cried, and we cried. These men turning to alcohol to deal with their blues, to deal with the challenges of life. And life is really hard sometimes. And church, you need to understand this. There will always be a reason to drink. There will always be a reason. That's why country songs are so popular because life is hard and, come on, alcohol, it kind of works. It gives us a temporary relief. But the Bible says you've got to remember who you are. You're a child of light. You don't have to turn to whiskey or beer when you got the blues. Jesus is better. Ephesians 5.18 says you don't got to get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. But you know, you always have a choice to make in regards to what you're going to fill your life with. And church, I just pray for all of us that we would choose the Holy Spirit. By the way, and you're not always going to get that right. We, we all choose the wrong thing all the time. But allow the Holy Spirit to remind you of who you are, to come back quickly and choose the light. Then I love what he says. He goes, and since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So here it is. You're walking in the light, walking, and you're awake, you're not asleep, you're awake, your eyes open, you're sober, you have your wits about you, and now you've put on that breastplate of faith. Breastplate of faith. This is so key to walking in the light. Because when life hits you, Right? When people hurt you, often the first things you get attacked. You know what it is? It's your faith. It's your faith. When you've been harmed by another person, that doubt just begins to creep into your mind. And it's about your faith, right? Where's God? Right? Where are you, God? God, why did you allow this? God, why didn't you stop this? Where are you? Do you even care? And this is the other question we ask. God, do you even love me? And it can begin to feel like you're losing your faith. But Paul, again, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he reminds the Thessalonians, he's reminding us of who we are. No, you have put on what? The breastplate of faith. Faith that I believe in you, God. 
Though I've been wronged by that person. Though I feel desperately lonely. Though I feel like I've been abandoned by everyone and everything. But in faith, I'm going to trust you that you are for me and not against me. Even though this situation is extremely unfair. Even though it feels unbearable and impossible. In faith, I just believe, God, you are going to give me the strength to face this trial. That I believe I can even be strong and courageous in you, Jesus. That even in my weakness, and boy, do I feel weak. But in my weakness, I can stand strong in faith through it all. That's that breastplate of faith. But then what else does he say? It's also a breastplate of love. Everyone say, breastplate of love. This is so important that we understand this one, church. Because when you're persecuted, when you're attacked, when you feel like no one loves you, when it feels like no one cares about you, you know what begins to suffer? It's your expression of your love towards others. It's your love towards God and your love towards others. It is greatly affected. And this is how it goes often in our lives. I see this all the time. I see this in my own life. When, when you are uh, wounded by another person, you begin to withhold your love from other people. And this gets expressed in different ways, right? Maybe you don't show up to that birthday party. Or maybe you don't go to the family Thanksgiving or the family Christmas, right? You stop going to the family gatherings or maybe in the church setting, maybe you stop going to the Bible study or stop going on Sunday mornings. One of the biggest ways we withhold our love from others actually is that we stop reaching out to others. We stop reaching out. Don't you know that love moves forward? Haven't you noticed that? That love is an action that always moves forward. But then we get into the mindset that says, well, if no one is going to reach out to me, then you know what? There's no chance that I'm reaching out to them. And this is how we have all felt one way or another. All of us, at one time or another, we have felt this way. You're not unique or special if you've ever felt this way. Because you, when you've been wrong, and we have all been wrong, live long enough, you will be wrong. When you're wrong, one of the first areas that just Satan loves to come in and make his way into an influence is how you love other people. And he just whispers, he goes, why should you love that person? Don't you ever forget what they said, what they did. Whatever you do, don't forgive them. Make them pay for what they've done. Anyone see the movie I Can Only Imagine? An incredible movie on forgiveness and love. To someone who probably didn't deserve forgiveness or love. But that's what we do. We withhold our love so that they can feel what we feel. Sometimes I actually think it's the spirit and the attitude that makes this whole world run. The Bible says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And I think this is an area where Satan and his rule has been just quite effective. Where he has convinced us to stop loving one another. Because so-and-so did such-and-such... I will withhold my love. And yet again, the word by the power of the Holy Spirit comes in today and says something completely different. I hope we can receive it today. Remember who you are. You've put on the breastplate of faith, but you've also put on that breastplate of love. You're not a child of darkness. You're a child of light. So walk in the light as he is in the light. You can love your neighbor as yourself. And you're not going to love them. This is so key, church. If you're writing, taking notes, write this down. You're not going to love them because they love you. You're not going to love them because they love you. You're going to love them because God loves you. And his love is going to give you the power to love them. Breastplate of faith, breastplate of love, and then 
we put on for a helmet the hope of salvation. Hope of salvation, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. You're a person of hope. Did you know that? Are you living that way? A person of hope. A hope that does not disappoint. A hope. It's a living hope that Jesus, He's coming back, and He's coming back for you, and you're going to live with Him forever. And when he comes back, whether you're already dead or whether you're awake, he's coming back for you to live with him forever. You have the hope of salvation. And so you're not going to make your choices and make your decisions from a place of darkness where there is no hope. But instead, you're going to make it from a place of hope in Jesus. Now, if you don't have hope, then you might as well eat and drink for tomorrow we die. But no, we have hope of eternal salvation. Hope for the children of light, children of the day. Livestream, that is who we are. And we have put on the breastplate of faith, the breastplate of love, and the helmet of the hope of salvation. This passage is very similar to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 13. You're going to love the similarities here. Just pay attention and you're going to see some similar themes. This is what he says. He goes, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night, it's nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness. And what? Put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Not in carousing, not in drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, not in debauchery, not in dissension, not in jealousy, Rather, what? Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. I love how Paul writes it in Romans. He says, put on the armor of light. Everyone say that with me. Put on the armor of light. Isn't that good? We're children of light who put on the armor of light. In our passage today, he talks about wearing the armor of faith and the armor of love and hope of salvation. But church, that's the armor of light. That is the armor of God. Now in Romans 13, that passage we just read, he also says, put on or clothe yourselves with Jesus, right? Clothe yourselves with Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not the armor of God. The armor is God. Have you ever thought about that? When you're putting on the armor, who are you putting on? Christ. That's what he just tells us. When you're feeling attacked, church, and you will feel attacked, when you're feeling abandoned, when the words and actions of others pierce your heart, when the enemy uses other people in your life to try to steal, kill, and destroy, you remember who you are, remember whose you are, and remember you are perfectly clothed with Christ. Remember also this, your battle isn't even with the other person. It is so hard in that moment, in that circumstance, to remember that. But your battle isn't even with him. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says this. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. So important to remember. But who are we fighting against? Against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world. And against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The human beings in your life, they are not your enemy. Your battle is not with them. It often feels like they're the enemy. But they're not. Now you do have an enemy. 
You do. He's very real. And he might be using the words and actions of others to try to rattle that faith, dilute your love, steal your hope. But that's why we must put on Christ. Because the enemy, our real enemy, he loses every time when he's faced with the power of Jesus Christ. Every time. At the name of Jesus, the enemy trembles. At the name of Jesus, darkness has to flee. There's power in the name of Jesus. So when it feels like everything and everyone is against you, you do not choose darkness. No, you put on Christ, the power of Christ, because there is hope and power in the name of Christ. And then as verses 9 and 10 say, For God has not destined you to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. See, the name of Jesus is not just powerful enough to walk you through every hurt and pain and hardship and disappointment, every word of slander, every word of gossip or harm from other people that you're going to face on this earth. No, the name of Jesus is more powerful than that, church. It is powerful enough to even walk you through death itself, to save you from death, that you might find your salvation in him and live with him forever hallelujah and so paul says verse 11 let's read this together therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing encourage one another build one another up that's what children of the light and children of the day do they encourage one another. They build one another up. But here's the temptation we face. That I face. That you face. It's the lie that we feed ourselves. I know this happens in my own life. It's a lie that I'm tempted to believe. Well, you know... You know what? No one is encouraging me. You know, that's what's wrong with this family. It's just not very encouraging... No one's loving me. You know, that's what's wrong with this church. Not a loving church. I'm trying to love everybody. Not getting any love in return. So you know what? I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm going to go pastor another church. I'm going to pastor a church that's going to encourage me and love me. We've all been there before, haven't we? You know, I'll just go to another church. Or I'll just... Go to another family, or I'll go to another school, or I'll go to another job, or I'll go to another neighborhood. I'll just go somewhere else where I'm going to be encouraged and where I'm going to be loved. We have all been tempted to live this way. But again, this is why I love the power of the Holy Spirit and His Holy Word, because any time I am tempted to live this way, and we will be tempted to live this way, God comes in and He is so quick to speak His Word, His living Word, over my life. He just says, Dan, my child... My son, remember who you are. You're a child of light. You're a child of love. Dan, put on my son. Put on Jesus Christ. I love the way he whispers over my life. Dan, you don't have to choose the darkness. I hear that all the time. You don't have to choose the darkness. You can choose light. Whether you feel encouraged or not, go by the power of my Holy Spirit and encourage other people. Whether you feel loved or not, you go by the power of my Holy Spirit. And you go love others whether you feel loved or not. You go, Dan, by the power of my Holy Spirit. Dan, it's not about others loving you. God says, 
Dan, I love you. I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you. So you can go out with my love, the love I've given you, and go and love one another. And church, I just want to encourage you in that because some of you are like, man, I've been there, right? Some of you are like, man, I've heard the Lord speak that word over my life. And what do you do when you hear that word? When, when he speaks that word, what do you do? You repent, don't you? I, I repent. I repent. I, I turn. Even uh, if you're at the worship night on Tuesday night, there was, I repented of a lot of things. It's repenting. You turn. You, you thank God for his love for you. But then you also ask him, but God, if I'm going to do this thing, right? If I'm going to do what you've called me to do as a child of light, a child of day, I'm really going to need you. And so you ask him to fill you up, to baptize you with his spirit, to overflow you with his Holy Spirit so that you can go forth, you can move forward as a conduit and a vessel of his love. As verse 11 says, you can go out, encourage one another, and build one another up. Church, if a bunch of us started to get serious about this, if a bunch of us started to actually move forward in our love, not withholding love because it feels like nobody is loving us, you know, not reaching out because no one's reaching out to us, but moving forward in our love. I, I just believe this. It is at that point that we are going to be ready to re- receive the return of Jesus Christ. I just believe that with all my heart. It's at that point when we will be ready to receive his return. And we will not be surprised, but we will be ready Ready as we walk of children of light and children of day, loving and encouraging one another. I don't know about you, and I just know from my own life, this is, I was thinking about this week, is this is where I am so desperate for the Holy Spirit to fill me with His love. Impossible without the power of the Holy Spirit. I need His Spirit. More now than ever before. Have you noticed that? The longer you're a Christian, the more you realize that you are in desperate need of His Spirit. The love He's called us to, by the way, is incredibly impossible without His love flowing through us. So we're going to sing this song together. And as we sing, I just want to encourage you, let the Holy Spirit, give Him permission, yield to the Spirit, allow Him to do what only He can do, Fill you up to overflowing so that as Christ has loved us, we can love one another. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord Jesus, this message reminds me of what I told my boss this last week on Tuesday, that I could give him the top ten ways not to grow a church. And this kind of feels like one of those messages. But it's so important, Lord, for us. It's so important for us to be rattled by your word today and shaken by your spirit. Because we need you and you have so beautifully today, Lord, shown us once again that we are children of the light and children of the day. And Lord, just... In this moment, as we sing this song, we we pray that you would just be with us and fill us and show us what it looks like once again to walk in the light as you are in the light. Lord, we all come to you um, 
as people who are desperate for your spirit. And the reality is, people have done some pretty hard things to us. We've all been wounded. We've all been hurt. We've all had words and actions that have just pierced our hearts, just destroyed our dreams and our and it feels like our lives. And yet, God, if we're honest, so many of our responses, so many of our actions flowing from that wound have not been as children of light. We have chosen to repay evil with evil. And so, God, we repent. We repent. We repent. We repent of the way we've treated people. We repent of the words and the actions that we have said and done to others, not in the name of Jesus, but in the name of vengeance, in the name of justice, in the name of fairness. We repent of all the times we've tried to become God and, and begin to judge others uh, with, the, with the hand of God instead of humbling ourselves, turning the other cheek, walking the extra mile, giving uh, the extra piece of clothes. I, Lord, I just forgive us for the times that we have gone blow to blow and eye for eye and tooth for tooth with our neighbors or our family or our co-workers or our friends. Forgive us. We turn to you, God. But Lord, this is what I love about repentance. When we turn, it isn't to turn so that now we're just going to try really hard to be good people. No, there's a yielding in our repentance. There's a brokenness in our repentance. That we turn and we say, as Peter talks about, that we will humble ourselves and then you will lift us up. And so as we sing this song, Lord, many of us, we're humbling ourselves in a posture of humility. That would say, God, we can't move forward in our love until you lift us up. Until you fill us again, fresh and new. Until you breathe on us once again the power of your Holy Spirit on our lives. And that you would lift us up, not by our power, not by our strength, but by the power of your spirit, the power of your love. And so, God, we pray over the next five, six minutes, this would be more than just a religious exercise. But it would be a strengthening of our bones, a strengthening of our bones to do what you have called us to do. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
back. Lord, show me, Lord. Show me, show me, show me. Lord, give me the courage to hear and receive. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for a challenging word this morning. Amen, Life Springs. Amen. We don't want our Sunday mornings, our times with the Lord to become rote, right? We're going to invest this time in the Lord and say, Lord, change us, move us, mold us, shape us, change us. I just want to encourage you this morning that, um, that God is good. And if the word was challenging for you this morning, would you just reach out for a prayer this morning? Just grab a brother, sister before you leave the sanctuary. Uh, Cindy is going to be up here for prayer. I encourage you to come forward, uh, pray with her. Just don't leave this morning without the opportunity if you're feeling that. Um, in, in, your, in your spirit, in your heart. Don't, don't leave without the opportunity to be prayed for, to reach out to one another. I love that about our family, that, that we're, we're okay just taking a few minutes and, uh, and loving on one another that way in prayer. So up front here with Cindy or with each other before you leave. And other than that, bless you, bless you, bless you. And just remember, we don't love others because they love us back, and we don't love others because they loved us first. We love others because God's given us the power by his love for us. So, amen. Amen. Bless you this morning. Hallelujah.